Welcome to Alter Your Comics Presents. I'm Alex. I'm Laura. And I'm Jared. And before we move on to, or before we start with our topic of the week, I want to have some breaking news that I already told Laura about. I don't know if Jared saw it or not, but uh, Marvel Comics is no longer going to have an exclusive dealer, exclusive distribution through Diamond Comics. Really? They announced that today, that they are no, long, no longer having exclusive with them. They're going through Penguin Random House Publishing as the new distributor. Wow. Um, I know most listeners may not know the difference between the two. I mean, realistically, I didn't either until I started working at the store. But uh, Diamond Comics had the exclusive for over like 20 years now. But with uh, DC, they started the move last year and they switched over uh, to Lunar and UCS. This year, Marvel's like, you know what? Peace out. We're going to. Wow. Um, so it's kind of weird. And exciting, maybe I don't know. Um, so yeah, they we still will be able to order through Diamond. However, Diamond themselves will be ordering through Penguin Random House. So like, hey, we can go through a distributor through a distributor, or we can just go straight to the main distributor. So chances are that's probably what we'll do. That's is we'll just go through Penguin. How much business is that from Diamond? Um, through for Diamond, if you count in the loss of DC and Marvel, that's probably eighty percent of their business. Just on the comic side. Just on the comic they're, side, they'll still have a Diamond Select toys and stuff like that. Correct? Theoretically, yeah. I mean, that's still in the pipelines, I think. But and it's starting August is when you'll be able to get comics, Marvel comics, through a different publisher. I never thought about Diamond Select Toys. Is that direct from Diamond, yes. or is that through another distributor? Yeah, that's direct through Diamond. That that's their own thing they make and everything. So they've still got a chance to stay afloat. Yeah, it's just it's two major blows to them. Uh, it is definitely interesting to see where that's going to go um, going forward. Because yeah, like I said, they for the last like twenty years they're basically a monopoly having Marvel and DC. Sure, you can get everyone else through other people, but Let's be honest. If you're not stocking Marvel and DC, you're not stocking comics. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, that's uh, breaking news that happened today, earlier today, around noonish today, actually. Wow. So I'm I'm really surprised at that. Yeah, it is. I mean, like I said, the good news is for Penguin, as of right now, uh, if you if a store buys through them, they get free shipping, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Diamond doesn't do that, so I don't know if they'll change that. Profit that you know that whole margin thing because like well, it's one thing to order and stack and box trades versus actual single issues. So who knows how that'll go? They they haven't announced the margins on that or any of that stuff yet. But like oh by the way, August we're having someone else. So have fun with that. Yeah, I think it's really weird too. The only reason I've remembered or know what Penguin House Penguin Random House is is because so many of my textbooks as a child came from them so the first thing i think is oh my math book yeah like, that's the sort of stuff you're gonna order but they just publish everything so right they, yeah, they have their own it. they have their own publishing that they're doing yeah any sort of any and everything type of book wise but now they're in i mean they've also distributed their own stuff too so now they're distributing others and it's it's kind of weird but kind of good maybe uh one sad thing is Chances are previews won't be a thing in the next couple months because that's published by Diamond Comics. Yeah, we just got previews today, too. So everybody, if you want to get your early stuff, go check out your previews and 
figure yeah. out what you need. So, yeah, previews. I mean, they lost. They haven't had DC stuff since DC moved out. Um, and now if they're losing Marvel, that's another big chunk for that. So, like, when I was talking to Mark today, I was like, well, ordering stuff is going to be weird now because theoretically we won't have any print magazine to order from. So, I would hope that Random House or Penguin Random House, sorry, I keep saying the wrong name, the wrong series of the names. Hopefully they'll get something together for you. Yeah, hopefully, but, I mean, it is what it is, so. DC doesn't have a print catalog anymore. I think they Correct. do have one that you can get offline. But it's not the same. It's not, I mean, I was talking to Mark today, and, like, when he orders our comics, he's like, yeah, there's stuff that I miss because, you know, when you have a catalog, it's just easier to browse through than going to a website. Yeah. It's just, you, you can see the articles, you can feel it, you can just, I don't know, it catches your eye better than, browsing anything online and that's for me that's shopping anything online like i'd much rather actually have a catalog like oh this looks cool than oh i don't know what to search for online necessarily unless i know what i'm looking for right. or for, sometimes you have to search like spider-man spider-man with the hyphen spider-man space spider-man all together right this versus, is my struggle personally versus a catalog <laughs> you don't have to search you just look and yep. then you oh cool that catches my attention done it's a it's browser friendly in a catalog versus a website but yeah, so that is our news section for the day, I guess. <laughs> uh, so let's move on to our main subject. Uh, last week was our favorite writers. This week is our favorite artist because I am not creative. And I was like, cool, that goes hand in hand. So let's start with that. <laughs> uh, who would like to go first with their first artist on their list? I can go first. Uh, the first one on my list in, in no particular order was uh, Tony Daniel. He... Does a lot of work for DC. He's done some for Marvel and Image and, you know, all over the place. Um, he worked on the Teen Titans series with Jeff Johns. Uh, the main story that came to mind with him was uh, when Jason Todd came back to life and he went to find Tim Drake to beat the crap out of him, pretty much, to prove that he was a better Robin. So the art always was clean and precise. It flowed well with uh the story arcs and everything um he's just a really good storyteller through his art i think he's actually a writer too but uh, i've always liked his art uh, he also worked uh on the one year later story arc from the teen titans after infinite crisis which added ravager and kid devil to the team uh, he worked on titans east which had deathstroke forming his own team of titans to battle the teen titans uh, but uh, some of my favorite work of his was when he did uh, the Dick Grayson Batman run. I think it was in the main Batman title that he worked on. But uh, I really liked his art there, and that's where I really started paying attention to who he was. Like, I knew him from the Teen Titans series, but that's when I really started paying attention. It's like his, his art always grasps uh, my attention. But he's currently working on, on Noctera, which, which is uh, written by... Uh, Scott Snyder, so he's. I'm really looking forward to his future work. Yeah, and that's one that's. They do a lot with. I want to say negative space. I mean, they do since it's all a dark book. Like, yeah. Oh, so what is there really pops too? Right, right. He's his. He's always very clean with it. Like his art's very clean, and the lines aren't you know all scratchy and everything. So, yeah. All right, Laura. Would you like to go next, or would you like me to go next? I can give it a shot on my, um, the person I picked first, sort of, um, was John McCrea. 
sorry if wrong names, but we're going with it. Um, I actually picked him because there's a new book out this week called Carnage Black, White, and Blood. And it's all black and white and red. Like, there are no other colors in this book. And I was hoping to find something talking about why they chose that. I mean, obviously, because it's kind of interesting. But I thought they'd be more elaborate with it. But I never found anything that specifically was like, oh, we just thought one specific thing. And of the... They're actually five or six different artists who contributed to this book because it has three different stories in it. Um, but John McCrea was the first one I could find like more than three sentences of topics about because apparently it's really hard to find information on artists. The writers all have their own web page where they tell you a little blurb about themselves and they want to talk, talk, talk. And I think the artists are like, I've got an Instagram and that's enough for you. And that just didn't tell me anything. Another weird tangent I thought it was interesting. This guy has the same name as the lead singer of Cake, so that's what I found first. And I was like, what? He's a singer too? Nope, wrong guy. I mean, same guy, same name, wrong people. Close but, but no cigar. Yeah. And the big reason why John McCrea became famous was he started working with Garth Innes. And I, his name sounds really familiar, Garth Innes, but I'm having trouble figuring out what all he's super famous for. But I know I've heard his name. crossed, didn't he? Yeah, he's done a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Okay. So, John started in 1993, and it was the Demon books that he wrote with DC Comics. He also set two Guinness Book of World Records I thought was interesting um, in April 2011. He and 62 other people made the fastest production of a comic book and the most contributors to a con comic book, which is why there's 63 of them who, who made this record. And the comic was called Superior, and it's by Marvel, if you ever want to look it up. It came out in October of 2010. He also worked on Mars Attack, the 50th anniversary, at least one Deadpool issue. They were really specific about this issue, so I don't know if he's worked on other Deadpool too. But um, War Paint, Regenitor, Aces Weekly, and then there were a couple Spider-Man books that I tried to find out if we could order. and They don't really exist much anymore, maybe on Amazon, but not, not through your current things but tangled web and get craven so i thought that was neat that he's also got his toes in spider-man too all right and the first one on my list and like jared said no particular order is Raphael albuquerque uh he's known for a couple things american vampire batman court of the owls that was the beginning of new 52 wasn't it, it was the i believe owls. so yeah so he did some of that stuff but the one thing that really got my attention was Huck. Um, that series, it's his art is like, uh, I don't know, at least in Huck, it is very, like, I don't know, shadowy and it looks a little rough around the edges for everything else other than like the main characters, which I like because it adds a little extra emphasis on the main character and the action and everything. Um, yeah, he's somewhat of a low key artist, but I don't know, it's a like middle ground. I always think that in comic books, writers have more fame than artists do. It just seems to be like, oh, this person, like, oh, and then some guy draws it or gal draws it. But yeah, this one, it's unique. I don't know. It's I like how it almost looks like watercolor too, the way they do like some of the background stuff and like having it's, I don't know. It just seems rough ish, but smooth at the same time. I don't know. So that sounds like watercolor to me. Yeah. Like it's, a broad stroke of the brush, but the water 
dulls it out. Right. And what, so I'm not going to mention any names, but uh, some artists, they draw the same face no matter what character they are. I don't like those artists. <laughs> this one, each character when he draws, they actually look like different characters. And I don't know, it's it's kind of cartoony, but not full cartoon. Like, I don't know. It's really hard for me to describe a, a painting or an art, you know, through audio. But yeah, I'll check out Raphael Albuquerque and the series Huck and his other stuff. So, Jared, what's next on your list? All right. The next one on my list was Jim Lee from DC Comics fame. Uh, he did work in Marvel, he worked on uh, Punisher War Journal and Uncanny X-Men, and a few other things for Marvel. But he really got his fame from working with uh, DC Comics, I think. Uh, especially when he did... One of my favorites was um, Batman and Robin, The Boy Wonder. It was a 10-issue arc that was written by Frank Miller. Uh, that that whole story was amazing. So it was a little bit different take on some things, but I loved it. It was really good. Um, but he's worked on Batman, Action Comics, um, many, many more. But uh, he also worked on Infinite Crisis, which was probably my favorite DC crossover event. So, And he is currently the chief creative officer over at DC Comics. But uh, one of my favorite things that he has done is the... I think a lot of comic fans will know the Batman and Superman standing on their uh, respective gargoyles. Um, they've made statues out of them and everything. You'd recognize the picture if you saw them. Batman's the standard dark and gritty. Superman's right. the bright and sunny. Cause yep. Superman. They're both standing in the same pose, uh, just opposite of each other. So, yeah. Jim Lee, He's he's been on so much and has done so many things that he's a staple over at DC Comics, and I'm glad he is. All right, Laura, who is up next for you? I think I'm going to kind of do a twofer because I wanted to mention at least Robbie Rodriguez, but, um, okay, I'll start with, he started, actually he started, I think, with Collider and Federal Bureau of Physics, and that artwork stood out so much and was these vibrant, wonderful colors. So when I started reading Spider-Gwen, I was like, why is this so familiar? And I think that's one of the things that pops out the most to me about artists and why I wanted to pick this guy to talk about because it's so cool to me when you sit down and start looking at a book and you're like this reminds me of something else and then you go back and find out oh because it's the same artist like they they did draw that it is sort of the same thing but I think that this guy got me too out of existence like he got in some trouble and I think that he had to delete his twitter delete everything and I don't even know if he's still working I think he is still out there but there's not much to say about him because Apparently he said the wrong thing at some point and got silenced. But on another facet, following that same idea, although I realize I forgot to get all the, the info on him, Chris Boccolo is another one that, when I see his art, I'm like, oh yeah, that reminds me of Doctor Strange, which was the one of the most recent things he's done. And I think we had it, I forget how many episodes ago, there were a couple panels that I was like oh this reminds me of somebody and then it did have a crossover with Doctor Strange and it was Chris Bacalow who was drawing whatever that issue was we brought it up but I can't remember now what it was but anyways Chris Bacalow is from Canada he's born in 1965 he's best known for Shade the Changing Man he really got his start with Neil Gaiman in around 1993 
He wrote Death, the High... Or, sorry, he drew Death, the High Cost of Living and Death, the Time of Your Life. He also did Generation X through Marvel. And Steampunk is an issue he did on his own. And when we're talking about, um, like, r drawing styles and watercolors and things, Steampunk was something that he... He was both praised and criticized for his art style because some people were like, oh, it's so, it's cartoony, it's so detailed, and he uses a lot of small panels, and it's dark, and people are having trouble following it, and other people were like, no, that's perfect, that's what the story needed. It was supposed to be dark and detailed and telling the story in a lot of small pictures instead of, like, splashes and all this big stuff. So I thought that was interesting that he, people didn't like it, but enough people really, really liked it that he's got the fan base of that, which I guess you can say about anything, but Wikipedia specifically drew that out for Chris Bockwell. And he also worked on um, Stan Lee's Just Imagine, which is like <laughs> taking the DC characters and imagining, imagining if uh, Stan Lee had created them. So he worked on the Catwoman issue. Cool. All right. Uh, next up on my list is Alex Ross. He is known for Marvel's Kingdom Come. And my particular one right now that he's been doing is the variant covers for Marvel books. Um, they have a whole bunch of single character, like on a white background. And I want to say they have a couple dozen of those right now at this point. They did a couple months worth of like, oh, every issue has one character, either be it just like Falcon or Vision or Wanda or anybody and everybody, each one had their own single thing. Um, the reason why I like his stuff is it is very portrait-esque. Like, it looks like if someone's, like, drawing, oh, you need a portrait of someone instead of a picture? Well, here we go. We get this guy. And I think that's why he does mostly covers at this point, because he has a big enough name at this point. Like, well, we could pay you to do the interiors, but that'll take, A, it'll take forever to come out. And B, it'll probably be way too expensive to do. So we'll just have you do variant covers for everything from this point on. Um, right now he's doing a lot of Iron Man covers. That's not even the variant, just, that, just the main cover is Iron Man. So I don't know if that's one of his favorites or not. But um, yeah, I like it because whenever he draws stuff, it definitely looks like, oh, this could be a real person, but drawn, you know, but painted instead of drawn. And every panel looks like a, a miniature painting and everything. And yeah, it always stands out to me. Like whenever I see something like, oh, that's an Alex Ross one. I, I don't need to look at credits. Like, I can tell what is his just by glancing at it. He's definitely very iconic. And it's funny how for me a little bit, I almost don't like it because I like the cartoonier Spider-Mans. And I think that he likes to draw Spider-Man with a very pronounced nose, no matter what angle Spider-Man's at. And usually head on, no one draws Spider-Man's nose, but Alex Ross usually does. Because, <laughs> yeah, he makes you try to look like if an actual person's wearing a mask. He also did uh, Justice, and there was a Marvel series, Avengers in, in, slash Invaders, mm -hmm. that he did in did 2010. He, was that, did he actually do that one, or just the yeah, covers? Yeah, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty, okay. pretty sure he did the interior art that, also. That's the tricky part right now, is he, because he just does so many covers, like, oh... Uh, there, there are books out that he had nothing to do with at all. Like, oh, we'll just hire you to do the cover because we know your cover sell. Yeah. Like, and that kind of irritates me. It's like, but the book is from like fifties and sixties. Why are we like bait and switch on that? Like, oh, here's this iconic, like really cool picture. 
interior looks nothing like that. Yep. So. That's what you get for judging a book based on its cover. Yeah. So. All right, Jared, who is the last person on your list? In no particular order. In no particular order. This is just down the list on my piece of paper. Uh, My last one was Amanda Connor. I always like her art. Uh, She's always been really good. Her, the way she does uh, facial expressions, that caught my eye first. Uh, She's always made them fun. Uh, A lot of her work in Harley Quinn, the facial expressions in that book, just by almost every character, is fun. It's always bright and colorful. I can't really see her doing uh, like a dark and gritty Batman story or something like that, but uh, take some of these characters with a little bit more crazy emotion. And I think she does a really good job, but uh, she's worked on Harley Quinn, Batgirl. Uh, She worked on Power Girl for a while, but uh, I think one of my first books that I've read from her was called The Pro, which is a bit more adult-oriented, and it's kind of like a spoof off of the Justice League. Um, She's worked on a few Marvel projects, but nothing like ongoing. She did a guest spot for issue 17 of this comic or, or this series or whatever. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I always like her art and I hope she stays around for a while. All right. Laura, who's the last person on your list? I went back to basics and went with Ron friends who draws spider girl. And again, he's more of a, a simplistic drawing, I think, and maybe a little more cartoony. Um, but that's just the style I enjoy most. This is where I actually got into actually picking someone I was that I really enjoy their art. The other ones, it was I recognize their art more so than I really love it. Um, Ron Friends is also famous for drawing the Spider-Man issue, The Kid Who Collects Spider-Man, which is super iconic to a lot of people. And it was also the inspiration for Make-A-Wish from the Spider-Man animated series, if you remember that, with Maria Taina Elizondo. Oh, watch me mess up that name. It's really close to that. <laughs> Anyways, he's also really known for drawing characters when they're kind of out of their normal element. Like he drew Spider-Man during the time when he was wearing the black costume. He drew Thor when Thor had some new secret identity. And he drew Superman when he had a new costume and new powers. Like he doesn't seem to end up on a story when it's the normal point of time in the story. Other than Spider-Girl, but he kind of cr- helped create her and made her whatever he wanted, so... Who knows? Maybe he he made her edgier then and no one really knew it because we weren't familiar with her enough at the time. He also had a 2009 Nemo Award for Excellence in Cartoon Arts. and thought that was worth mentioning from Wikipedia. All right. Uh, And my final character or final character, final artist is Joshua Luna. He's known for uh, Girls, Eternal Empire, Ultra... Um, and most notably, uh, where's my notes? There it is. Uh, Invincible, which is going to be the new series on Amazon prime, I believe the new animated series. Um, yeah, his art is very, again, cartoony, I guess. Like it's line. It's very liney. Like you can see precise line and it lines and edges on everything, but it's, I don't know. It stands out too, because Normally, with him, he pairs up with his brother, um, Jonathan Luna. They usually just would or they do the credits. It's just the Luna brothers, because why bother? Like, who cares? They're, we're together, and we're working together, and whatever. 
Um, so you may recognize more Luna brothers together than either Joshua or Jonathan, but they are two separate people. They have their own lives. Um, but yeah, he's, he's a cool dude. He has, I don't know, like to, it has a bit of a distinct look on it for whenever they do the Luna brother stuff together. Um, cause like, uh, what is it? Girls and ultra, the image, the art looks like, Oh, this is the same universe. You can tell that they don't, he doesn't typically go too far away from what he's comfortable with. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Just like, this is what I do. This is my world. You know, I draw how I draw, which is, I don't know. I kind of, I find that comforting of someone that's like, no, this is what I'm about. If you like it, great. If you don't like it, oh, well, that's just how I draw. So, but yeah, the biggest thing is the upcoming series, Invincible, coming to Amazon Prime. And hey, instead of watching the show, or in addition to watching the show, you should read the comic books. We have them at our store. You should come and pick them up. Book club plug. Possibly. All right. Any other last minute artists we've thought of while we're sitting here? That we're not prepared for that quality may vary. I think uh, just mentioning George Perez. Yeah. You know, made his fame with uh, uh, New Teen Titans back in the 80s, and he's always been a mainstay. So. Uh, I Do we mention Jim Lee? Yeah, I did Jim okay, Lee. I thought, he was, yep. uh, like, I thought <laughs> that sounded familiar, so I was like, all right, cool. For a second, I was like, did I not know his first name? I knew there was A. Lee, but okay. Because whenever I think of Stanley, I just, that's just yeah. the way that works. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, John Armita Sr. Yep. He has some good stuff. <laughs> I, I'm editing that part out because, yes, I'm not a fan. I'll, or I'll bleep it out. We'll see. There you go. Bleep that out. Uh, yeah. So yep. those are. There are lots more we could do. Maybe we could revisit this another time. Yeah. yeah. We could go by the decades even. Yeah, there we go. Oh. To have a little more, I don't know, direction with it. Yeah. Other than just pick an artist and go with it. I need direction. We'll see. I'm a wanderer in life. All right, so. With that, uh, Steve Ditko. Steve Ditko is a good yep. one. I almost chose him, but I went with the Spider-Girl artist. Any other last minute... Yeah, I said let's no. move on. We could, I mean, we could just start <laughs> listing them, but I don't have any material ready for any of those. Oh, come so. on! Don't don't you want this just to be a full list of us just sitting here and <laughs> rambling Seem, on? Seems like you want that. <laughs> Moving from topic to topic. In one continuous and broken sentence. All right. So with that, <laughs> we will talk about books that came out this week. Uh, this week was Wednesday, March twenty fourth, twenty twenty one. And we decided that, hey, we liked how we did the books last week, so we'll do a similar format of, like, these are the books that came out this week that stood out to us. Some may be our picks of the week, some may be honorable mentions, some are just, well, I guess they're all honorable mentions from some standpoint or another. But we may not necessarily say, this is my honorable mention, or this is my pick of the week. I still might, because I'm stuck in the old setup. Sorry. And I'm kicking things. Sorry. <laughs> all right, so... Uh, who would like to mention a book that stood out to them first? Apparently I do. I liked Aliens, number one. Alien. Oh, I'm sorry. I do always screw that up. Aliens is the sequel. That Who knows if they'll do a sequel to comics. But for now, it's just Alien, number one. 
Um, I actually have not watched any of those movies. I hear that they're really good. Wait, I guess I lied still. Alien vs. Predator. I watched that movie. But I don't feel like that's probably a good synopsis of what Alien is. Because it was just... Yeah. It was just two different aliens fighting each other. I feel like they're even on Earth. Is I, that I don't the one really that Topher Grace was in? It's I know been was, a long time since I, I watched I know it. he was in one of them and he died. I was like, yes, they killed him. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway... Alien. You ask Google. I'll look it up while you talk about Alien. (laughs) But the main character, the way I interpret it at least, was Gabriel Cruz. He's retired from Wayland and Yutani. And he's kind of got the goal in his retirement to get back in touch with his son Danny and like resurrect some, some bonds because he's been so focused on work for so long. And now that he's retiring, he's going to have time for his son again. But unfortunately, his son is kind of like, no, you should have made time before. It's too late, Dad. And hopefully this isn't too much of a spoiler. Like, since I saw it coming, I'm going to throw it out there. Turns out Danny and his girlfriend are kind of part of some resistance group. And when he does agree to meet his dad for dinner, he's kind of just there to snoop around the place and find some stuff so that they can go on. uh, Like, he's gathering intel for almost espionage for their little rebellion group. And then things go from there. And so I thought it was cute. It had good art, but I didn't pay attention to who the artist was, ironically enough, even though that was our topic this week. But it it stood out to me. Of the books I read this week, that one stood out the most. All right, Jared, what was something that stood out to you this week? Okay, one that stood out to me was Detective Comics uh, 1034. Uh, This is part of DC's Infinite Frontier launch. Uh, this was really good. It has Bruce Wayne in his um, new, not apartment, but like uh, brownstone house. Boarding house yeah, almost, boarding house, or something. apartment house, yeah. complex sort of thing. But uh, he's, you know, attending a mayor's gala and bad guys show up. So he had, dresses as Batman, kicks the crap out of him and leaves. But it's kind of given an introduction to his neighbors and everything. And he attends like a backyard barbecue style party. It's still the rich people, but not like yes. the elite rich. Right. Yes. It's the more, I don't know. <laughs> they're not in tuxedos. They're all still kind of in, you know. They're multimillionaires instead of multi-billionaires. Yes. That sort of like distinction is what it seems like. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. It's still upper class, but not, not super upper class. Not the pretentious kind. So, but, uh. Yeah, I really liked that aspect of it, and I'm not going to give spoilers away because. Yeah, yeah, yes. I just because <laughs> you but can. I like yeah. have the address of hey, I don't have a bat cave anymore. Right. So instead of having one centralized bat cave, which was decentralized from the rest of the Gotham, he's going to have multiple little like janky bat. Yeah, almost like in the sewers or something. Yeah. That's what yeah. it looked like to me, and he's like it is. got a sledgehammer, and he's actually breaking up ground so he can you know, put his, put his stuff there pretty much. But uh, I believe the line was luckily for me or roughly luckily the uh, Bureau of Sanitation, they don't really come to these parts. So I can basically do whatever I want while I'm down here. Right. But it does have a follow-up story with uh, Damian Wayne, who last we saw him was fighting the League of Lazarus. Yes. Is that right? Okay. Um, And with his mom, Talia Al Ghul, and the last time we saw them, she had a knife to her throat. And this is the follow up to that story, which is going to lead into Robin number one. Which I'm super excited for. Yes, I am too. The way they just did these, they're only like, what, eight pages of 
teaser teaser pretty much right. to set up the new story arc and it's really good like i'm really excited to see where they're going with this he's got more of a darker gray and black costume but rather than but he's still going by the name red. robin though yeah Yep, it's still Robin-esque costume. It's still got the R and uh, the black cape on the outside with the interior yellow cape. So he's still keeping a lot of that aspect to his costume. But uh, they are... Do I want to reveal? Uh, Let's not reveal that. Okay, there is a character that shows up who we have not seen in... That I know of years... Um, you guys may not even know who it is. Yeah, I had no reaction to that guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I actually don't know who that is. Well, I'll tell you once the I think unless it's, turn this is off. It, it's part of the is it part of the duo? That uh, goes no. by the same name. Okay, so then I don't know who it is. <laughs> so yeah, is it okay. this guy? Okay, I'll, I don't know that guy. Yes, <laughs> I'll, I'll fill you in after after we shut this off. But uh, yeah, I was very surprised to see that ending, and I am really excited to see what they're doing with that. And it's I think he's going to be showing up in yeah uh, in Robin number one. And one thing I liked about this book, going back to the main story, uh, it started with a pun. Oh yeah. Um, they're so they're at this high end gala that you know, have rich the super elite are spending stuff, and then this gang busts in, and then one guy's like oh. lobster. They didn't tell me they were gonna have lobster here, and the other guy's like, oh come on, you're just so shellfish. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I enjoyed that one. Like that's a good way to start a book as a pun. Yes. I immediately started writing that in my notes. I knew it needed to be pointed. Yeah, Detective Comics one zero three four. It was a good 1034. read. Yep, All check right. it out. Uh, one of the books that stood out to me this week was Stray Dogs number two. Um, this is a, I think it qualifies as a horror, but <laughs> it's not. It's definitely not horrific right now. Like it's not gore or anything. It's it's more like building a psychological horror st- story, where it follows the point of view of a bunch of stray dogs that were adopted by this owner. And one of the dogs, that's the, the newest one, is slightly is starting to remember her past. And like, wait, something's wrong with this owner and with my old owner, and we need to figure out what's going on. So it's uh, I I can't really say a whole lot because it is a bit of a mystery. I don't want to give away everything, but it's issue number two. A really cool thing about it is they are doing horror variant covers. So like we have, this one is Pet Cemetery is the variant of is what it's supposed to be of. And each issue is going to be of a different horror movie, which is a fun little thing. I always like when they do fun covers like that. I know DC did their horror movie covers. No, I think it was just movies in general there for a while. Well, it was labeled as horror variants a couple years oh, ago. Oh, that's right. Yes. So, I'm thinking of a... Because they did like they did Beetlejuice. movies later and, on, I right. think. Yeah. So... You're right. It's a cool thing. I think it's a fun new way of doing variants. If you're going to do a variant, at least... If you can parody something else, it's an extra. It's yeah. not even a parody. It's more of an homage to it. Yeah, and I think artists. I think you can see the artists in their art. They're having fun with it. Right. So. So yeah, this one was Pet Cemetery. I forget what the first one was. I. I think it was Silence of the Lambs. That's right. Yes. So, it's cool to see those, and this is issue number two. It's only a five issue series, I believe, either five or six issue series. And yeah, check it out. Uh, what else stands out to anybody? I. Like I mentioned before, I really like Carnage Black, White, and Blood, um, partly because of the art style where they just used, I guess, technically 
two colors because either white or black usually is not considered a color. Depends on your perspective. Usually on paper, but. white is not a color with this, but I imagine they are printing white ink, but I don't know. It's all a mess. <laughs> yeah, in this issue, it really is. I don't know. I hope everyone's familiar no enough with Carnage to know it is a mess in this whole issue. Everything is blood. Like, he's killing everybody. Like, that's just how it is. There are three stories in here. Um, the first one was really interesting to me because apparently I missed something in the King and Black arcs. I think that somehow I may have missed one of the crossovers, which you'd think having 50 of them upstairs, I'd have this one, but I don't remember it. But I need to go through and find where the last time Carnage saw Shriek, apparently he ripped out her spine and used her codex to, um, create a demogoblin. And that was a... Oh, wait, that character... Sorry, I'm crossing this over with Scream, which is another issue that came out this week. That character shows up in that issue, but this one kind of alludes to how Demogoblin came to be. And there was also an old Western story that was cute. And what I thought was really cool was at the end, there's a choose-your-own-adventure. So when you pick up this book, make of sure sorts. you... To choose your own adventure of sorts. Well. Because you choose your own while rolling a d6. Yeah, I was going to just say, go buy a d6 so that you can choose your own adventure. and Roll your own adventure, almost. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, yeah, maybe... you still get to choose, but like, hey, if, depending on what you roll, you may fail, so too bad. Yeah, I guess I thought there was also the choice that you could say, oh, you choose not to use your power or something. It's like, if you use your power... Roll a d6 if you don't do this instead. But yeah, if you you if you choose to influence Carnage in one way or the other, because you basically yeah you're a person that is test riding the the uh, Carnage symbiote like hey maybe we can control it, and it doesn't. Majority Mostly. of the endings, most <laughs> endings do not end well for you. If you're familiar with Carnage, it makes sense. But there is one good ending that I think would be very difficult to achieve. I know when I did the role adventure, it did not go well for me. Yeah, I honestly, I didn't have a D6, so I gave up and I just read all the panels and tried to piece together how it would have worked. And I was like, which is how I always do choose your own adventures. I never choose. I always try to go back and figure out every possible ending and My story. My finger stole the page. I didn't, I didn't go to that one. Yep. It doesn't count. Uh, I, de I definitely did. I did do the choose your own and then I went back and read all the options. Like, oh, there, there's a lot of possibilities that this could have that this would have ended poorly it's like oh there's five different ways for them are in the same way not good so they set you up to fail on that one true to form but that's still a fun way to it, read a comic book absolutely uh jared what is another thing that stood out to you this week okay i'm going to move on to my pick of the week okay so uh, I picked Batman and Superman, which is issue 16, starting with the Infinite Frontier story arc. Uh, this was really fun. It was different. It starts out with um, like a film reel strips, and the top section is Superman's story, and the bottom section is Batman and Robin's. And they're both kind of set in a different universe, as in in Superman's universe, Batman doesn't exist. Uh, in the alley, Thomas Wayne was shot, and Bruce Wayne grew up with his mother and is very useless. Like they said, he's uh, in 
he's tried out many positions with Wayne Enterprises and has lasted only a few months in each one of those. And in Batman and Robin's story arc, Superman doesn't exist. As he was flying away from Krypton, a piece of kryptonite hits his ship where the uh, canopy is for him and goes through and basically kills him on his journey. So he doesn't exist in that universe. So they're each telling their own respective story arcs that do kind of line up at the very end. But it left me with more questions and seeing where this is going to go. I like the way Batman and Robin is done. It's very original in in the sense that it reminded me of the early days, like reading some of the 1930s or uh, 1940s and 50s comics of Batman and Superman. So there was a lot of aspects to it that I really liked. Um, the When I first started reading it, it took me a minute to realize, oh, I've got these are completely separate. But uh, yeah, there's lots to this issue. It was really fun. It was completely different than what anything I was expecting. So, and the art is really good and it's done. There's four names on the book. So a Reese, a Mickey, Mickey, and a Rich. And I don't know who they are. I almost looked them up as my people because I did like this film strip style. Yeah. But I, I wrote most of my stuff in the margin, and then I wrote those in the main part of my notes, so I completely glossed over them when I was reading. <laughs> I'd gotten three people to talk about, and I was like, oh yeah, I meant to look up these other guys. Nope, I'm taking a nap. It was a busy day. Every day's busy. I don't see their names in the credits either. Oh well. Yeah. Oh well. But we'll they did a good job. Day. Whoever mm -hmm. they were, they did a really good job. Yeah, I really like that film strip style, too. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. Yep, and take. one thing you mentioned earlier is uh, everyone's faces, um, they, I didn't notice it as I was reading it, but they are completely different in this. Which, anytime like, an artist can do that, yeah. good on them. Like. Yeah. So you could definitely tell who's who, even at long distance shots where multiple people are in the frame, you can tell who's who. I love that. So. Mm -hmm. I think that's important. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, yeah, Batman Superman number 16. All right. Uh, I'll go next with one that stood out to me. It stood out to me so much that it was my pick of the week, and that is Teen Titans Academy number one. Now, preface this, that if it wasn't your pick of the week, it was going to be mine. <laughs> so. I mean, we could both pick it. It doesn't matter. There's a whole bunch of good ones this week. But this one is a prequel, but picks up after Future State Teen Titans. So, Future State Teen Titans would jump back and forth of like, Oh, present time. And then what, five years later, this is the present time adjacent to what the uh, future state started with. So in future state, teen Titans, number one, it had glimpses of a teen Titans party. This actually explains why are they having a party? And it is Dick Grayson's birthday, AKA Nightwing or Mr. Nightwing, since he's a teacher at the Teen Titans Academy. Yes, that always that was cracking me up through this whole issue. It was Miss Starfire, Miss Raven, Mr. Beast Boy, you yeah. know. Mr. Beast Boy just seems really <laughs> it weird. It does. <laughs> it does. But it was, it was a lot of fun. It was. And for me, I'm a sucker for these Academy books. Um, Teen Titans Academy, they did Avengers Academy. Wolverine had his school of gifted youngsters. That was basically X-Men Academy. Um, we have strange, we have strange Academy still going on also. So apparently the Academy is 
the new old hot thing to do. But I'm okay with that. Yep. And Billy Batson shows up in this. I was very happy to see that. Yeah. Just So I knew he, he was uh, involved with uh, Future State and everything with the Teen Titans, but I really liked that he was in this. Well, and this is definitely setting up uh, Red X within the comics. Yes. Because if I'm correct, Red X wasn't in the comics until Future State. Right. So we're actually figuring out who is, I mean, so if you watched the Teen Titans animated series roughly 2000 early 2000s ish i want to say uh also teen titans go now uh, you find out oh at one point dick grayson turns evil robin and turns into red x that works for slade but this we're actually doing there's another character or there are apparently two other people other than nightwing that played red x right but they're supposedly dead right and just in the narrative they give some backstory to nightwing's adventures as red x which is still weird because it never happened in the comics right so until now yeah but, but uh, I, I don't know it's cool that it's cool whatever an animated series character makes it the jump into the comics harley quinn was the one that did that she was right made the animated series and then they put her in the comics yeah red x was in the teen titans books or in the show and now he's in the comics yeah but i they also in this they separate out um Almost classes, like the current teen, actual Teen Titans are like the upper class. Right, they actually say you're an upperclassman, like yeah. uh, Bunker and... Kid I, Flash, uh, Wally West, a um, couple of the other ones. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I can't remember all their names right now. But anyway. But yeah. Yeah, they're upperclassmen. They've been running around as Teen Titans. They're, they're kind of like the X-Men. Like, hey, these are the actual X-Men heroes or Teen Titans. And then everyone else is training to be a Teen Titan, or potentially to be a Teen Titan. But yeah, this is really cool. Um, I'm excited to see where they go with Red X. There is definitely some mystery going on with that of who is the character, and are they a student? A student? It is definitely leaning towards yes. It is a currently a student, but the teachers don't know that they are the Red X. Also, um, yeah, I'm excited to see it. This is. Really interesting to see where they're going to go with. And if you're a fan of Teen Titans at all, check it out. Yeah. I just, I'm really excited to see where they're going. This is a completely different direction for Teen Titans in general. I mean, it's just so much fun. And it's grounded too, as well. Like, it's not necessarily just them fighting villains and everything. It's like, no, right. them actually going to school and yeah, being taught and everything. Yep. Um, at one point, they're like trying to give Nightwing guff of like, oh, you're just an old man, blah, blah, blah. You don't know what you're talking about. Like he starts fighting a hologram while lecturing them. Yeah. And like, oh, respect. Yeah. Because <laughs> they yep. actually see his actual acrobats and abilities yeah. and everything. Yep. And it's it's funny because they're actually dealing with like these characters, the new characters they're bringing in are written as teens. Right. You know, they don't think the older generation is cool at all. It's why are you t- telling me what to do? I can figure it out on my own or I already exactly, know what's going on. You know, they've, they're already headstrong and everything and it's, it puts them in their place. Yeah. Yep. I can't wait to see more. So that's Teen Titans Academy number one. Laura, what else stood out to you this week? Stood. Or do you want me to talk about another one that stood out to me that I enjoyed? Yeah, I kind of took that one over from you a little bit. That's so. okay. <laughs> I just enjoyed that issue so much. I'm a big Teen Titans fan, though, so yes. I was already maybe a little biased towards liking it. But even still, I think it's, it still holds on its yeah, own. For it to be your pick of the week yeah. as well, that I think that says a lot. Yeah. 
Uh, I think I'll throw out there that there was a brand new uh, Firefly number one, brand new verse. Um, I actually, I don't know, I, I didn't like this story as much as other Fireflies I have, but as anyone who likes Firefly would probably be interested to read this. And I like the potential of it. Yeah. Yeah, this first one doesn't quite get off on the right foot, but it can go good places. So this one is, for those of you that haven't read it yet, it is Firefly, but takes place 10, 15 years after the Firefly TV series and the movie. So Zoe, Zoe, right, is the, is in charge of the fire of the Serenity and is her and her kid. Like Mal's gone. Everyone else is gone. Be it dead from the movies or otherwise of just retirement and she's the last remaining original crew member left and she's like oh i'm gonna pass it down to you my daughter eventually when i say it's ready when you're ready that's when you're ready she's like but you said i'm i can have it now no no i said when you're ready you're ready and it's a definitely a cool thing like okay let's expand the firefly universe to see what happens down the road with the serenity and everything um Another one that stood out to me was Amazing Spider-Man that came out this week. That is issue number... I can't 62. Tell, I'm sorry, I can't tell from this oh, angle. Oh, sorry. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man number 62. This is more of Spider-Man teaming up with Boomerang, but they're trying to save their pet Gog, I think. Yes. Which is an alien that apparently gets gigantic if, his coll- if he gets off the collar. Um, Kingpin's like, you know what? I need to make Boomerang suffer for everything he's done to me. And what better way to hurt him than to hurt the ones he loves? And he doesn't love anybody except for his pet. So we're going to make the pet suffer. They have Bullseye. I don't know if Bullseye was trying to hurt, kill him, or just trying to set him free. But they shot the collar off. He grew up gigantic, like Godzilla-sized. And Peter and Boomerang team up to try to get him back down to a manageable size. And there's a guest appearance by Mary Jane. Because they decide, hey, we need a pet sitter, and MJ's back in town, so here you go. So, yeah, that was Amazing Spider-Man 62, roughly wrapped up without giving too much spoilers. Yeah, I was just debating if talking about the Robertson family is too much or not. Um, I mean, they're definitely teasing the Robertson family, which is Robbie... I they straight up told you stuff. Well, okay. I'm saying, I don't want to give spoilers. Okay. Um, Robbie is Boomerang and Spider-Man's other roommate, the third roommate. No, Randy. Or Randy, sorry. I, it's another R. Robinson. Yeah, I know, but it's kind yeah. of important because Robbie was right. there. Robbie too. is the dad. Um, they, he, he has a romantic relationship with someone that's kind of bad news, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that they've told that before, but I can't remember. I think they did too, but okay. I don't want to full on spoiler it just in case. I'm pretty sure, actually, I know that they did, but... Yeah, I thought oh well. so. Um, but yeah, the oh. parents get involved of that relationship, and then it's like, you're dating who? You're dating who? Sort of thing. Yeah, but it's funny, at first, I think we can spoiler this now, that we've danced around it a little bit. Um, Robbie and Randy are kind of having a, a father-son talk, and Randy's kind of like, oh, this girl, she's a little crazy. And his dad's like, well... Maybe you should still stick with her, though, because sometimes you need a little spitfire in your life. It's yeah. kind of what he says. And I was like, oh, man, Robbie, tell him to get it. <laughs> also, that's going to come back to bite you in the butt. Yep. At like, the end of the issue. <laughs> like, you're going to be like, oh, well, you know. I forget, rescind what I Forget said. what I said. Go with what I'm saying now. 
But yeah. Anything stand out to anybody for this week? Uh, there's King and Black Scream. It's a one shot. So more King and Black stuff. Uh, previews came out if you want to see catalogs of stuff that's coming out in the future. Uh, get while pre- you still can. Yeah, get previews while you can because who knows how much longer they'll keep making those with our previously announced or previously made announcement about the comic book industry. Uh, okay, so I'm getting a bunch of silence and stares, so let's move on to our Heroes of the oh, Week. Crap. And then more silence and stares. Because Jared <laughs> forgot. I remembered. Lord, do you remember? I remembered a little bit, but I actually just changed my mind at the last minute for who my hero is going to be. So do you want to go right now or do you want me to go right now? Uh, I, I can go since I went there. Um, Since you mentioned Scream, I think that I should pick Andy Benton as my hero. She is the host for the Scream symbiote. And in this issue of King in Black, she was doing a really good job of like kind of redeeming herself, even though she has this hellfire mark that kind of makes her, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, especially without some spoilers, because it seems like this hellfire mark is going to be important in this King in Black storyline. Well, I think, I mean, it's, she's had it for a while. Yeah. She's had it for a while. So she has the power to, Control fire or hellfire, apparently. Okay, see, I thought it was even more than that, but... Well, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm watering down a little <laughs> bit. And recently, I guess there was another miniseries of Scream, maybe last summer or so, and she actually ended up taking refuge at the Feast Center with Aunt May, and they make a reference to that here. She saves some children. She's like, okay, go this direction, go like... North three blocks and west, and then you'll find Feast. Go there, you'll be safe. Find May Parker. And I like that reference, and I think that's a good heroic thing to say about Andy, that on top of, like, trying to stop Null, the King in Black, and keep her symbiote under control, and actually I think her and her symbiote have a good symbiosis, and they're they're a good team together. And she's trying to save the world right now because it's overrun by symbiotes, and the the symbiote shell, whatever is going on with it. All right. Ta-da. I'll buy Jared more time, and I'll say my hero of the week is Steve Ditko, a famous artist known for creating Doctor Strange, Blue Beetle, Cats and Adam, and the most successful one, Spider-Man. I wondered if you get there. Good. Yep. Good job. So, yeah, Steve Ditko, in honor of our artists of the week, will be my hero of the week, too. I thought you were going to say, in honor of our house, because it's full of Steve Ditko. <laughs> that sounds bad. Like, oh, we have his body. It's it's full of Steve Ditko. <laughs> like, no. His body of work. <laughs> oh, oh, fair enough. Fair enough. All right, Jared, we bought you most, as okay. much time as we could. Who is your hero of the week? I don't know if it's going to be... The, it's, the way it's in my head is fine. Um, I'm going to say <laughs> The Falcon from Falcon and Winter Soldier, the new Disney Plus show that just aired. Uh, I don't know if it's, I should give him the credit or the writers and creators of the show because they're really giving some good backstory to him that was just so much fun in that first episode. So I'm going to say The Falcon. Um, I really liked how they made it, uh, you know, we don't get paid as Avengers, you know. I'm right. still here for a loan, and you ain't getting a loan. Right. <laughs> so, but they kind of touched base on the economic side of things when half the people on Earth reappeared. It's like, oh, banks are... Moved on. Yeah. So... 
we'll see how issue two comes out tomorrow. Episode or two. episode two comes yeah. out tomorrow. Uh, but tomorrow, yeah. as we record this today, if you're listening to this as this gets published. So. Yeah. So, but yeah, I really liked how they gave him some really good backstory. It really filled in a little bit more for his character. Like I liked him in everything Marvel's done so far, but this really just added to it. It's fun. Yeah. So, we made it, guys. We fulfilled the time requirements of some. <laughs> That's my goal. I was going to say, do we have a time requirement? Yeah, our requirement is to do some. Okay. Uh, Nailed it. Next week we're going to fail. We're going to fail to doing some next week because next week we're going on vacation and it's going to be hard to have time to do recordings and stuff and is what it is. So if we really wanted to, we could make this work, but I, we're just going to take I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'll, folks. I'll record something and then once you get back, you can edit it and or, throw it out there. Or we'll just worry about it in two weeks. Yeah. So we'll just say, listeners, while we're on vacation, you can go on vacation too. It's spring break, sort of, next week. So we'll just use that as an excuse. Spring break. So we're taking a spring break from the podcast. Actually, I almost wonder if we should ask the viewers to do more work. Like, you guys think of things you want us to talk about and then get back to us. And that then works. in two weeks, maybe. That works. So you either take a vacation or do our work for us. Let us know. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, we should be back in two weeks, barring any complications. So, so yeah. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for being subscribed. Um, thanks for being a friend. <laughs> That's a good song. Yeah. So, we will see you all in a couple weeks. Or, if you're just binging this, we'll see you the next time you click play, then. How about that? They're never going to see us. We'll see them when they come to the store. Sure. I mean, if they want to come in and be in person, we can probably figure out a way to do that. So That could be a Patreon exclusive. Maybe. So, yes. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back next time. Predators was the one that Topher Grace was in and got killed. Ah. It wasn't Alien vs. Predators. Predators.